You are listening to the Sermon Podcast for Triumph Lutheran Brethren Church. Our vision is to see the life and message of Jesus transform hearts, homes, and cities. Wherever you are, our prayer is that God would meet you and that the life and message of Jesus would transform your life. To find more resources, go to triumphlbc.org. If we haven't had the chance to meet... Um, I'm Tony Rognos, Campus Life Pastor here at West, and, and it's, it's a privilege this morning that I get a chance to, to begin a new sermon series. The sermon series we're starting now for the next several weeks is called, Now What? Right, if you put yourself in the shoes of the apostles or the disciples, they followed Jesus for three years or so, and then they watched him be crucified. And it had to seem like the ultimate opportunity to ask, well, now what? And I don't suppose that feeling was reduced very much by the news that now the tomb was empty and he was alive again. Well, Now what? I mean, it's kind of now what on top of now what? We didn't expect him to die. And then once he died, we thought, well, okay, we'll figure this out. And then he's alive again. Well, do we pick up where we left off? And do we just start this whole thing going again from where it was? Or is this all changed? There had to be a ton of questions. And for us, On the heels of a wonderful celebration of Easter Sunday, sometimes for us, we look at the rest of life and we go, okay, well, now what? So in this series, we're going to take a look at several of the the accounts in Scripture of, of the disciples' interaction with each other and with Jesus after the resurrection as they were coming to grips with something they had never seen coming and something they weren't probably sure what to do with. Today we're going to take a look at some verses uh, from John chapter 20. It's, for some of you, this will be a familiar passage. Um, and, And I'm just going to read it as we begin. This is John chapter 20. And it's verses 24 through the end of the chapter, 24 through 31. Two main characters in this narrative. It's Jesus and Thomas, the disciple. Starting at verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus or the the twin, was one of the 12 and was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. 
And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. You stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. And Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who've not seen me and yet believed. And Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Jesus, thank you for giving life. We need the life that you give. Lord, as we examine this, your word this morning, give us ears to hear and hearts to believe, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is Thomas. Thomas the twin. That's how, that's how scripture refers to him. That's not how we in most of our culture refer to him, is it? We refer to him as doubting Thomas. Thomas, Thomas the doubter. And indeed, there are other points in time in Scripture where Thomas is the one that asks the hard question. Where Thomas is the one who speaks up with the right question when everybody else is a, is a little too unsure to ask. Thomas is kind of the, the poster child, right, for, for doubting. In fact, we even, we even use that. We'll tell people, you know, don't be a doubting Thomas. I've heard people say of someone who is hard to convince, they say, well, he's kind of a Thomas. And on the one hand, I feel bad for Thomas. You know, I, he maybe gets a bad rap. Although, doubting Thomas sounds better to me than doubting Tony. And as long as Thomas is going to be the poster boy, I don't have to be. But if I'm going to be honest with you, there are times when I too have questions. Like, Lord, what are you doing? As, as I was growing up, I grew up in an area, we had a grove of trees that surrounded our house and the grove of trees was several acres. And, and we all knew that it wasn't big enough for us to get lost in, but it was big enough for us to pretend we were lost in it. And there were times I remember as a, as a junior high or high schooler, when I would go out behind the house into the grove of trees and I'd go out into the trees deep enough so that I could assume that no one else would hear me. And there are times I would go out in the trees and cry out, 
God, what are you doing? God, I don't understand. Maybe you can relate. God, I know you heal. Why aren't you healing right now? God, I know, I know you are a provider. Why don't I feel provided for right now? God, God, I know you love us. Why do I feel so unloved? God, fill in the blank. God, it's April. Why is there still snow on the ground? (laughs) That's maybe one of the more minor questions. But, But is there any chance that if it weren't Thomas, it would be you as the poster child for doubt and for questions? Thomas gets a lot of a lot of press. We talk a lot about Thomas, and it would be it would be easy to talk about him. But what I really want to do in the time we have this morning is I want to talk about the other character in this account. I want to take a look at what does Jesus do in the face of doubt, in the face of questions. In the face of somebody who says, you're not going to sucker me into this. Until I put my fingers in his hands, I'm not buying it. What does Jesus do with our question and our doubt? First, I want you to notice that the first thing Jesus does when he encounters Thomas and the others, once he says, it's okay, peace be with you, it's okay, the first thing he does is he acknowledges Thomas's questions. He acknowledges Thomas's doubt. And he does it very specifically. He says, oh, Thomas, Come here, touch this. Put your hand here. Like, it's okay. He doesn't start by looking at Thomas and going, Thomas, what's your problem? I'm glad to see you here, Thomas. I don't know why you even showed up. You're such a doubter. I, I told you I was going to rise in three days, and now, and now you won't believe it? What is your problem, Thomas? That's not where Jesus goes. It's where I'm afraid God is going to go at those times when I've got questions. Like, maybe I shouldn't have this question. Maybe Maybe I don't measure up if I ask this. But Jesus doesn't go there. Jesus says, Thomas, come here. Very specifically, Thomas says, I need to touch the nail prints and I need to put my hand in his side. And what does Jesus, Jesus' invitation is, Thomas, touch and feel. In a sense, the acknowledgement is, Thomas, you're okay. I get it. That's God's response to our questions and even our doubt. 
when we feel like we probably deserve to get chewed out. God gently says, it's okay. It's okay, Thomas. The second thing that Jesus does is Jesus reveals himself. The answer to Thomas's doubt is not all the facts that Thomas would have, might have known or could have known from Old Testament prophets. Jesus doesn't go into a treatise on why this is exactly what scripture was talking about all along. Jesus simply says, Thomas, here I am. See me. Come, see me. And God's answer to my doubts and my questions is that he reveals himself to me. And in your doubt and in your questions, God has revealed himself to you. Sometimes we talk about our spiritual life like it's some big cosmic game of hide and seek. And and by the way, scripture uses that word, seek me. If you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart. And sometimes we construe that to believe that God's hiding and I've just got to find him. Scripture is very clear that this is God's revelation of himself to us. Jesus doesn't tell us, well, a good Christian has to guess right and and hope they've got it. He says, I've revealed myself to you in my word. And in his word, we find our questions addressed. Not all of them, perhaps. I I want a section of scripture, among other things, I want a section of scripture that explains dinosaur fossils. You know, it's like, God, I don't know where they fit in. I don't really get it. I mean, I get there's some theories about it and I get those theories. Some of them are right, but I'd love to have something in scripture about dinosaur fossils. But God takes the pages of his word, not to reveal dinosaurs to us, but to reveal himself, which is way more important. There's a a theologian and a writer by the name of Robert Kolb. And in his book, check out this quote. In, In one of his books, he writes this, the Bible contains all we need to know, even if it doesn't contain all we always wanna know. It doesn't contain everything we want to know, but it does contain everything we need to know. In the pages of scripture, God reveals himself to us. And when we find ourselves questioning and doubting, we find who God is and what he has done 
as he reveals himself to us in the word. He acknowledges our questions and our doubts and he reveals himself to us and then he offers us an invitation. To Thomas, he says, stop doubting and believe. And the invitation is there for us as well. The invitation is gentle. Even in the word, Jesus doesn't say, are you done now, Thomas? He says, Thomas, you can stop doubting, believe. And he invites us, even in the middle of our doubt, even in the middle of our questions, to say, trust me. It's an honest invitation. And in fact, John, in his, in his uh, gospel account, he goes on, when he's done talking about Thomas and Jesus, he goes on and finishes that chapter with verses 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you might have life in his name. John could have put those verses, in fact, in a literary sense, it might have been better for him to put those verses at the very end of his gospel. Like, okay, here's the whole gospel now, this is why I did that. But he puts it very intentionally right here. He puts it here right after Jesus' invitation for Thomas to believe. And I'm convinced it's because John wants to make it very, very clear that that same invitation is for you. And for me, the invitation to believe, to believe that God the healer is at work even if I don't see how it's going, that God the provider is providing even if I feel like I don't have provision, that God the redeemer has redeemed even when I feel lost that the God who restores all things in his time is in the process of restoring all things. He invites us to believe that even in the middle of our questions and in the middle of our doubts. Because by believing, we have life in his name. Isn't it great to know that that doesn't say Jesus performed many other signs, but these are recorded so that you can get it right. No. No, it's an invitation. So that by believing, we might have life in Jesus. Whatever it is that we question 
Whatever it is that we cry out for in the middle of the woods, whatever it is in our lives that causes us to go, God, I don't get it. The gentle invitation is to find life by believing, by trusting in who Jesus is. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you and I will have life in his name. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the giver of life. We thank you for the gift of life, for the gift of being able to believe. Lord, thank you for not condemning us in our doubts and our questions. Thank you for not taking us to task for our lack of faith. Thank you for inviting us to have life in you. Grant us that, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'm Pastor Doug. I just want to take a minute and to say thank you for downloading or streaming this content today. We at Triumph pray that it will transform your heart and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. I have three quick thoughts that I just want to share with you, and it'll, it'll only take a minute. First, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd be willing, visit our website at triumphlbc.org connect and let us know how we can reach out to you. Or, or you can visit triumphlbc.org events to find an activity that you could jump into. Second, we hope that you see this content as supplementary in your walk with Jesus. Our, our digital content isn't really designed to be a replacement for belonging and engaging with a gospel community whether that's here at Triumph or another church. And third, we invest a lot into producing this content and it's used to bless people like you and others all over our community. If this or really any of our other resources that you find online have been a blessing to you, would you consider giving? It's because of your generosity that we're able to continue creating and serving online. Thanks again and may the Lord bless you.